Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, January 15th, 2021. You're listening to episode 127 of This Week in Sports. And my, oh my, what a whirlwind it has been for yours truly over the last 48 hours as a New York Yankees fan, a New York Jets fan, and a New York uh, Brooklyn uh, Nets fan, excuse me. And it all started with Wednesday when the bomb of all bombs was dropped, Woj bomb, um, in conjunction with Ramona Shelburne, I believe. They were the ones reporting that James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. And then, of course, um, yesterday we had the news breaking that the New York Jets agreed to hire 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala. The only thing I can compare Sala to is that of Rex Ryan. He's an emotional, fiery guy. I've been asking for that through the last two Jets coaching cycles between Todd Bowles and Adam Gase, and now we have gotten that. Thank God. The Jets seem to uh, hit this one correctly, and what's interesting about this is Robert Sala is going to be bringing with him Mike LaFleur, the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, who is the younger brother of Packer, uh, of the Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, so hopefully they get that uh, together. And then er, uh, this morning, earlier today, the New York Yankees agreed to a six-year, $90 million contract extension with their star player, DJ LeMayhew. So I'm super excited about that. Um, there was some other news in terms of uh, the Yankees and um, Aaron Judge, actually which is quite interesting. So let me pull that up for you real quick. Aaron Judge, that he was awarded, I believe, $10.175 million. So they avoid arbitration there and agree to a one-year contract. So that's good for the Yankees. They've got their two superstars back. And let's look forward to rolling into 2021. I believe Rob Manford came out and said, we are going to play a 162-game season this year. Uh, Michael Kay said he was a little bit surprised by that, but I'm not. You got to take a hard stance. Last year was a colossal failure. It was a disaster as far as I'm concerned. So we've got to get back to, you know, on the road to recovery here. The vaccine's coming out. There's no reason why we can't have a full season. And the NBA is doing it. They're outside the bubble. Yeah, there's all these issues left, right, and center, but it's, you know, it's working. They're postponing games. Guys are quarantining and we're just moving on and moving forward, and that's what we need to do to get back to some normalcy. So while I get, uh, you know, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place, I'm not going to lie, but we're talking about my Nets, Jets, and Yankees today, and without further ado, let's jump right in, and let's talk about this Brooklyn Nets trade. So we first got wind of this trade on Wednesday. It looked like after Tuesday night's loss to the L.A. Lakers, there was some serious discord between James Harden, his teammates, the Rockets organization. What's been floating out there, there's no denying it. James Harden is fat, okay? He has gotten extremely heavy, and um, there, you know, there's no denying it. Whether he's done it because he's depressed, he wants out of Houston, or what, 
I'm not exactly sure. But um, one of my friends posted a uh, video, and I'm going to go back and try to find it because it was right before the game when the announcer talked about James Harden having a pregame meal. I found it, so take a listen to this clip real quick. I want to talk about some aesthetics. James Harden definitely had a pregame meal, averaging 17 points. Yeah, so there you have it. No, It's been – he's not hiding it. James Harden has gotten fat, and I've been joking calling him Fat Jim Harden of late, and it, it's true. So he now goes to Brooklyn where he can immediately get in the gym, start working out, and it looks like he could play as soon as tomorrow. Um, so that's a good sign for the Nets who came off big wins against the Nuggets and the Knicks. Kevin Durant playing at M an MVP-type level, and this team is on the rise, ready to go. The problem with this trade is that the Nets lose two young superstars. They lost Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen, who mans the middle, who has been having himself a great, a great start to this season as well. Jarrett Allen goes to Cleveland. Karis LeVert goes to the Pacers by way of the Rockets, who traded him to the Pacers for... Victor Oladipo, really not understanding that there. Great haul for the Pacers. Um, I know they're loaded with TJ Warren, a bunch of other guys, etc. But Karis LeVert is just going to do big things there, hopefully, because uh, he's on my fantasy team. I wish him nothing but the best. Um, and I wish Jared Allen nothing but the best. And who knows what Cleveland's doing. They have Andre Drummond, Larry Nance, JaVale McGee, um, uh, a whole slate of big men that they're going to have to figure out what to do there, whether they drop somebody or, or what they're, I don't know what they're, they're thinking and logic behind that was, but Hey, Jared Allen is a stud of a big man and you know, they just got themselves a good one as well. But this is all about the Nets getting James Harden. They traded uh, much like with the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade. They got rid of, their future, essentially. They mortgaged the future the next seven or so years for James Harden. They're giving up three first-round picks as well as four first-round pick swaps. So it is a giant haul. They have just a couple of years window to get this thing done. And typically, these sort of um, maturations or, or um, you know, when you make a trade like this, this is not like when LeBron signed with the Heat in that first year. Granted, they didn't win it that first year, and most times they don't. So chances are maybe the Nets don't necessarily win it this year. Um, but it's different because Kevin Durant and James Harden played together in OKC, okay? And Kim and Kyrie have played together and established themselves a little bit this season as well. So, the, you know, the building blocks are all there. You've still got Joe Harris. You do get back Spencer Dinwiddie next year coming off the ACL. They didn't have to trade him away, which is nice. Uh, Torian Prince went to Cleveland also, by the way. And Rodion's Kuroots and um, uh, someone else is slipping my mind who who, who left the Nets. Um, and yeah, so big call for the Nets. Um, gave away a lot. Chances are uh, this doesn't work, but I have high hopes. Granted, James Harden, huge ball hog. Kyrie Irving, another guy that really has to uh, get his as well. So, you know, this the Nets are now the odds-on favorite coming out of the East, right? Let, let's be clear about that. Um, 
We'll see what if the Lakers can, you know, make their push through the West again. They might get some trouble from the Clippers. The Warriors are definitely better this year as well. Um, so it's it's going to be a fun uh, rest of the season. And then it came out today that uh, Kyrie Irving, because we still don't know where he is, he's been out for personal reasons. And then we saw him maskless at a club, which is against NBA protocols. Even though it was for his sister's birthday party, he should know better. We still don't really know where he's been. Friday, the Nets were tipping at 7.30, probably in the layup line at around 7. And where was Kyrie Irving, ladies and gentlemen? He was on a Zoom call for a Manhattan mayoral candidate, something like that. Just a terrible look. Um, and I don't I don't care what his excuse is. It, it, it's just absolutely terrible. But now the reports are he wants to come back. Uh, from all, you know, all inclinations, I listened to what Sean Marks had to say. He's spoken to him. They're going to try to get Kyrie back. It was reported today that he might be able to come back as early as tomorrow, so Saturday, January 16th. But that um, idea was just thwarted as because of, you know, NBA COVID, uh, you know, protocols and such, Kyrie will have to remain out because uh, they said, you know, if he remains quarantined and tests negative every day, he could come back tomorrow. I guess we'll just have to wait maybe a day or two longer for that. Um, but let's get into James Harden. He had his uh, introductory, I guess, press conference today, and he was asked some questions, okay? He was asked a couple of questions from uh, reporters, and here's some of the responses that James Harden had. It got pretty ugly at the end of your tenure in Houston. Is there any part of you that regressed the way that it ended? I wasn't disrespectful to anyone. Um, those guys, I just got there to Houston. Um, I've been there for a very long time. I've been through all the ups and downs, um, you know, with that organization. And I wasn't disrespectful towards anyone. You know, I just made a comment, you know, that the team as a, as a whole wasn't good enough to compete for a title. And, you know, at the stage of my career, right, where I am now, um, that's what I would love, you know, and so, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful to anybody, um, especially not to the organization. And um, like I said, just I'm, I'm excited to be here in Brooklyn, and um, you know, excited for a new start. But do you re do you regret the way it ended, though? I mean, it's a place that you loved and you had so many highlights. Yeah, I I, I, re I regret because I'm not the type of guy to you know I don't need the attention, especially the negative energy, the negative attention. Like I've never been that guy, um, you know. So there was, there was some things you know, I felt like out of my character. Um, but the ultimate goal was to get somewhere, um, you know, where I can compete. And here I am in Brooklyn. You know, I have nothing but love and respect for that organization, uh, that city, um, and everything that has ever done for me and my family. Uh, much respect. Okay, so there you have it. That was the first part, uh, James Harden responding to the questions there. And then, um, so that question was basically about the whole DeMarcus Cousins situation where he said he's tried, you know, he wants to win a championship. He can't make it work here. DeMarcus Cousins had a lot of words for him and it, it did not go over well. Okay. And then, um, so Harden claims he wasn't disrespectful to anybody. And next up, this clip is why he chose Brooklyn. So he's going to speak a little bit about, you know, why Brooklyn and what he thinks the future holds here in Brooklyn. Um, you have really good pieces in DeAndre, uh, Jeff, Shooters, um, and Joe, uh, Landry. Um, and, I mean, you just look at this entire roster, and it's built um, for any style of, of basketball you want. 
um, and then the coaching staff who, you know, knows the game of basketball at a high level. You just add that all together, and it's like uh, that's a that's a legit chance right there. It was a no-brainer for me. So there you have it, a no-brainer for James Harden to go to Brooklyn. Look, Daryl Morey and the Phoenix, uh, Phoenix and the Philadelphia 76ers, they tried their hardest to get James Harden as well. Of course, Daryl Morey came over from the Rockets. He knows James Harden very well. So yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to beat a dead horse on this. I don't want to waste too much time, but this is monumental for the Brooklyn Nets. This is all in, all eyes on Brooklyn. I saw a press conference with with Giannis, and he found out via Zoom about this trade because he's not on social media. He told the reporter, so he's like, "What's the trade?" And then he said, "What?" When he told him, he said, "Wow, Brooklyn just got really, really good because the players know James Harden." He, he's a travel monster. Like, there's no guarding him when they don't, you know, call, you know, call these uh, violations on him. So he's virtually unguardable himself. I am curious to see how these three gel. I want to get Kyrie back. I want to hear from Kyrie. I want to know where Kyrie has been for the past week and a half or so and, and why he, you know, why he decided to leave and what the personal reasons were. And once we get these guys back, get them gelling, get them playing together, and the sky's the limit. So I'm excited to see what these two uh, or three have in store for them. And really, it's it's the circle of life, right? You add Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, and a young Jim uh, James Harden in OKC together. And now, what do you know? All three are back together with the Brooklyn Nets. You've got Steve Nash coaching them. You've got um, you know Kyrie Irving there as well. Like I said, they keep Joe Harris. They've got DeAndre Jordan down low, um, who was catching lob passes and just alley-oops left and right against the Knicks. So that's kind of exciting that, to see that he's still got that crazy bounce. Um, so yeah, I'm extremely excited for this. And um, the Nets, they play their next game tomorrow night. Let's see if James Harden gets the all-clear to play. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see that. So the Nets going forward are going to be must-watch basketball. Let's get that thing Let's get that straightened out right there. Uh, they're going to be must-watch in the East, and quite frankly, it will be a disappointment if they don't make it to the finals. I'll just be flat out about that. Haven't seen the Nets go to a final since their New Jersey Nets days, oh, 20, 21 years ago. So they're long overdue, and that's what this trade is all about. And I give Sean Marks and the front office there a lot of credit. Um, and speaking real quick, I just want to speak on Kyrie Irving. Um, since he's been out, he has been fined $50,000 for health and safety violations. That, on top of um, the the fines or the lost salary for the two games, so he was out, I think, five games, only being docked salary for two of those games. But because his salary is about a little over $400,000 per game, that equates to $816,000. He was fine for the Nuggets game on Tuesday and the Knicks game on Wednesday. So yikes, that's a lot of money. So yeah, that's clearly why he's coming back. All right, next up, I want to talk about my New York Jets because to me, this is not the bigger story, but the one that excites me the most um, just because, I mean, I don't even know if it excites me the most. I'm just... Glad we finally got a hoorah type of guy like Rex Ryan. That's the only thing I can compare him to is Rex Ryan. So 
um, he he interviewed with the Jets for the second time. He was one of the known finalists, and then Ar- he left the building, and then Arthur Smith was the other known finalist that they brought in. So it looked like it was those two guys, and then the Chargers came calling, and they wanted to bring him in for an interview. And at that point, the Jets said, no, we've got to get this guy. He's such a hot commodity. 42-year-old defensive coordinator, um, just just the guy's a beast. And what's good, if, you, if you're a little scared about the fact that the Jets are not hiring an offensive-minded coach, don't worry. Robert Sala played tight end in college, okay? So uh, I think like Northern Michigan or something because he's from Dearborn, Michigan. So he played tight end, so he has a working knowledge of the offense. And I think defensive coordinators, uh, they have to have a working knowledge of the offense in order to be such great defensive my you know defensive specialist and his defense what they've been able to do even this year without their top pass rushers in Bosa Solomon Thomas all these guys that got hurt in week two against the Jets without Richard Sherman most of the year just phenomenal finishing in the top 10 in in, in overall defense And, and look Richard Sherman himself tweeted out that the Jets got themselves a good one and so you know for him to say that that's high praise Everybody loves this guy. Wherever he's been, he helped. He he worked in Seattle with Pete Carroll when they won a Super Bowl, and he's worked with the 49ers defense, and, and he's just been phenomenal. And guess what? He's bringing in Mike LaFleur, the 34-year-old younger brother of Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, to be the offensive coordinator. And all indicators point towards the New York Jets keeping Sam Darnold and possibly dropping down from pick number two, entertaining offers. Here is Adam Schefter with exactly that, because that was my first thought when they hired a defensive-minded Robert Sala. What is the move at number two? Are they going to keep Darnold or trade him? And here's what Adam Schefter has to say about that. Let me cue up this audio real quick, and here we go. You are reporting that Sala is bringing with him 49ers passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur. Interesting, given the Jets situation at quarterback with Sam Darnold, what do you read into that move? Here's what I would expect the New York Jets to do at quarterback this upcoming season, Kevin. And again, there'll be organizational meetings to discuss this, but I would think that Sam Darnold is going to return as the Jets quarterback. And the Jets will entertain offers at the number two pick. I think that they could sit there and take an offensive tackle. They could sit there and take a wide receiver. They could do whatever they want with that pick. But right now, I think the plan would be to proceed with Sam Darnold as the quarterback of the New York Jets in 2021. I think that Joe Douglas and this staff believe in him. Robert Sala believes in him. And I think that they'd like to give Sam Darnold an opportunity for a full season when he's healthy with a new staff to see what he could do. I would be surprised if Sam Darnold were not the starting quarterback on opening day. A Jets team that won just two games this season. All right, so there you have it. That's Adam Schefter with the latest. Look, Adam Schefter is is the guy, right? Like, Adam Schefter knows best, and I'm going to listen to Adam Schefter, and this totally makes sense because if Salah likes, likes Sam, if Mike LaFleur likes Sam, look, Mike LaFleur has worked with Jimmy Garoppolo. I kind of equate these two guys to be about the same type of quarterback. Many people believe Sam Darnold is still one of the better young quarterbacks in the league and probably will, the experts will say that he might be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, even though Jimmy took them to a Super Bowl. But he did it much the way the Titans play offense, and that is a, hu- a great run game. The, the Jets don't have a run game. They had Frank Gore, 
their ancient running back, and then they mixed and matched it with a bunch of guys, Ty Johnson and Josh Adams throughout you know the season, and LaMichael P. Ryan and guys like that. They don't really have a foundation at the running back uh, position. And, of course, the offensive line is a mess. And then you've got the wide receivers room, which you really just you're, you're not too sure about just yet. So they could do a lot of things at two. They could trade out. They could draft receiver, O-line, you name it, right? That's what the Jets could do. Um, that's all and well. So now to get a little bit of insight, I think you have to, like I said, you have to look to see what the 49ers have done. And we've got a ways to go. Of course, there's still free agency, and that's the big thing. With free agency, a lot when Rex Ryan became the Jets head coach, what did he do in free agency? He was able to go out and snag guys from his former team, the Baltimore Ravens, Bart Scott, you know, guys like that, uh, Jim Leonard. So look for Robert Sala to do much of the same. I look for him to go out, get a couple of premier 49er defensive, uh, you know, type secondary level players. What really the Jets need is defensive end. That's the biggest question mark for the Jets defense besides corner. Uh, that's really it. And linebackers which you hope we get uh, C.J. Mosley back, uh, which would be nice this coming year or for next season. So that's good. Now, on the other side of things, keeping with the NFL, yesterday we also found out that the Jacksonville Jaguars hired none other than Urban Meyer to be their head coach, which is very good for them. Um, Wherever Urban Meyer has gone, he has won. So, I guess if you want to take away from the Jets saying that Urban Meyer was the better hire, look, Urban Meyer has no NFL experience. So that's the thing I'll say about that. Yes, he's won everywhere he's gone, but he has no NFL experience. And I'm really concerned, not concerned, but I'm interested to know why a lot of these other teams didn't pursue Urban Meyer. There was talks that maybe the Chargers, that's really the only other team I saw, but it seemed to be Jacksonville or bust for Urban Meyer, and I'm curious to know why. Um, but the Jaguars, maybe it's because he's got the number one pick now. Trevor Lawrence, he could easily bring in. There's all these notions, though, that people are talking about Justin Fields. Will Urban Meyer draft Justin Fields? No, Urban Meyer will not draft Justin Fields. Urban Meyer coached at Ohio State before Justin Fields even transferred in. Urban Meyer did not recruit Justin Fields. Justin Fields came to Ohio State via the transfer portal out of Georgia. He was a five-star recruit and went to the University of Georgia, and he transferred to Ohio State. So there is no connection there. Yes, Urban Meyer has a Ryan Day connection, so you might want to try to connect the dots and say, oh, my God, he's going to draft Justin Fields. Look, the Jets don't need Trevor Lawrence, okay? We've seen plenty of times where uh, you know, you can you can win and get pretty far in, in the playoffs or even get to the Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. You know, your Trent Dilfers, your, you know, Brad Johnsons, you know, et cetera. Mark Sanchez made it to the AFC championship game twice himself. So it, it's not that far off to think that they could do the same thing with Sam Darnold. And again, the way that people still talk about Sam Darnold, I'm telling you, this kid has what it takes under the right system, and that's the problem, right? It's been different system every year of his career. Can't stay healthy. The mono, the ankle injury, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully, they get this thing right finally, 
and they can put an offensive-minded guy in Mike LaFleur to just focus on offense and then Robert Sala to focus on defense and build the culture. That's really the, the key thing for me. And this is why I will say this is not the same old Jets and Joe Douglas hit it out of the park here is because guess who just got fired earlier this week? Doug Peterson. Joe Douglas's very good friend. So there was a lot of speculation here that he would turn around and hire his buddy in Doug Peterson. Well, guess what? That did not happen. Joe Douglas didn't even bring in Doug Peterson for an interview. So I have to tip my cap to, to Joe Douglas. They already had a process in place. They had their guys they were looking at, and they weren't going to veer away from that strategy. So congratulations to them. And I think as a Jets fan, and the I, don't, I can't speak for the rest of the fan base, but I think it's overall, uh, it's positive vibes coming from us Jets fans. Because again, like I said, he is the anti-Todd Bowles and the anti-Adam Gase. Robert Sala shows some serious emotion on those sidelines, and I couldn't ask for anything more. That's the type of coach that helps win. That is how you bring a winning culture. Football is an emotional sport, as you know, a lot of sports are, but it is an emotional sport. Even golf. You think golf is super boring? Watch Tiger Woods. He is an emotional, fiery guy. If he makes a long putt, or wins a you know a tournament, he with the fist bump. Every sport is emotional. So when I watch these guys on the sidelines, I'm talking Todd Bowles, I'm talking Adam Gase. There's other coaches out there that are the same way, and you can't tell by their facial facial expression if they just scored a touchdown or gave up a touchdown. That is a serious problem. You feed off the energy of your coach, whether you're a fan or you are a player. So for the players, if they give up a touchdown or two or three or four and they're down, say, like 35 to three, and your coach is on the sideline and he's just sitting down on the bench and he's writing stuff on his little board there or, or, or taking notes, totally looking dejected, zero emotion, screw that. Robert Sala is going to show some serious emotion on the sideline. He might yell at some guys. He might jump up and down and dance and, and get excited and I love that about him, and, and I'm excited for that and to see him shine in New York and get that opportunity as a, one of the young uh, minority head coaches. I think because the new rules that were put in place by the league, the 49ers get some compensatory like third-round picks back um, for him. So, you know, I guess both sides win at the end of the day. Okay, let's stick with the NFL real quick. There's some other head coaching uh, news that I have to get to real quick, and that would be that Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, he has been hired in Atlanta. He will be the new head coach for the Atlanta Falcons. He was the guy that I said was the other finalist for the New York Jets head coaching vacancy. He doesn't really do much for me, but now he gets an opportunity in Atlanta. They've got some nice pieces there. He's now got a decision to make. Do they go out and do they sign uh, or do they draft a quarterback um, early in the first round? Because they have a top 10 pick, top five. I want to say they're like number four after Miami, if I'm not mistaken, but that's the other guy. And then it remains to be seen 
what happens with Eric Bieniemy, and I think a lot of people are shying away from Bieniemy yet again because his team, the Kansas City Chiefs, is still in the playoffs, and it's got to be very difficult. Right, you can't bring him in for an interview right now. He's preparing for a game this weekend. So how do you how do you decide to 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 pick a guy as your head coach when you really can't get much time with him to bring him in. Yeah, you could get him on Zoom, but you'd like to get a guy in person, talk to him in person, see his vision for the team, et cetera, et cetera. And from what I'm hearing around inner circles is that Biennemi isn't a great interviewer, uh, which, you know, that that could speak volumes. It really could. Uh, but I, I no worries. I think he will still get one of these vacant job openings at, you know, at some point or another. There is reports that, um, Dan Campbell is the front runner for the Lions job. If you guys remember, Dan Campbell right now is an assistant with the Saints. Dan Campbell is formerly that interim head coach with the Miami Dolphins. He's the guy that had that unbelievably fiery uh, press conference that one time when he was named interim head coach. Just an unbelievably, another emotional guy. Love me some Dan Campbell. So that would be a great hire for the Lions, if you ask me, because they need a culture guy to come in, you know, re-sign guys like Kenny Galladay, who's going to be a free agent, keep Matthew Stafford. There's questions surrounding his future in, in Detroit, um, you know, all sorts of things. And as I sit here, I'm seeing some breaking news. This kid cannot catch a freaking break. Carl Anthony Towns has tested positive for COVID. Carl Anthony Towns, or Cat, we famously know, lost his mother her, she lost her battle to COVID some months ago and passed away, as well as uh, seven other family members of his did also pass away. So um, hope he's doing okay. But man, he's got to be dejected, wondering, you know, wh what more does he have to do? Because of course he broke his, I think, wrist earlier in the season or a f something like that, finger, wrist, and he missed a bunch of time before recently just now coming back. Uh, yeah, so it's, it, it's wow, tough go for him, um, but yeah, holy, holy crap. Um, let's see, let's get into some of the other headlines. We'll stay with the NBA. Six Wizards players have tested positive. Uh, that's surprising. Um, let's see what else. Arthur Smith, good. Okay, um, like I said, I, I didn't really have too much prepared for this episode. I wanted to talk about my team's um, there's really not much to say with the Yankees. They re-signed DJ LeMahieu this morning. It's a six-year, $90 million deal. What I had been reading early on was that DJ LeMahieu wanted at least five years and about $100 million. So the Yankees were able to keep that 10 extra million, but they added him for a sixth year. And this got a little hairy earlier in the week when there was reports that he was getting frustrated with the Yankees and was going to open back up basically the bidding process on him and was going to open himself up to potential suitors. And so finally, the Yankees came back to the table. They realized as much as the fans that there's no Yankees without DJ LeMahieu. This guy was a diamond in the rough when they signed him. He has won a batting title in both leagues, okay? You know, nobody's done that. So for him, granted, it doesn't really count with the shortened 60-game season last year, but... You guys get the picture. He is the Yankees. The Yankees are DJ LeMahieu. So for them to re-sign him is great. And then also, I just read the Yankees 
avoid arbitration with Glaber Torres, their young shortstop. It's going to be a one-year, $4 million deal, so they lock up basically their core three, if you will. Um, so that's extremely, uh, that's extremely, extremely a uh, good sign. And I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see them moving in the right direction, taking the right strides and such. Okay. Um, I could end it here. I could keep going. I mean, what more is there to really talk about? Um, Rutgers, they're on a three-game losing streak. They are coming up playing Wisconsin at 9 o'clock. That's really why I wanted to bang this episode out before that game, which I'll get that out uh, with plenty of time. There's uh, golf this weekend, which I'll be playing this weekend as well, which is fine. You know, it's been months and months. Test out my new putter grip and uh, my new weight that I put inside the grip with my super stroke putter grip. And I'm just excited to get out there. And uh, so there's the uh, the tournament that's taking place, the Sony Open in Hawaii. Okay, you've got that this weekend if you're looking forward to something to watch. Um, of course, you've got on ABC, I believe. Yeah, UFC is making its ABC debut tomorrow. Um, trying to get some details here. Let me see. Um, okay, I don't really have too much to say. Okay, tune in Saturday, January 16th at 3 p.m. on ABC to watch UFC Fight Night. This is Holloway versus Qatar, I believe is, his, is how you say his name. So yeah, UFC fans, tune in for that. That should be fun and exciting. I didn't even get to the fact that Alabama won the national championship, absolutely smoked Ohio State. If you took the over, you hit it by one point. Uh, it was 75. I believe it hit 76. Um, so that's good. I took Alabama with uh, to, to win with the money line. FanDuel had a nice promo, so I hit on that. Um, so yeah, they won there. And then, of course, the NFL playoffs. Uh, we've got a big slate of games, and, and none more notable than a matchup between two of the oldest quarterbacks we'll ever see together. This clip that I'm going to play you right now is absolutely gold. It is freaking hilarious. This is Morgan Freeman narrating this matchup between the Saints and the Buccaneers in the uh, NFC Divisional Round. Take a listen. On January 17th, 2021, the two oldest living human beings on planet Earth will battle for the opportunity to play in the NFC Championship which will probably be in Green Bay against that nice young man, Aaron Rodgers. But for now, it's great Grandpa Drew and the New Orleans Saints versus the Big Bang himself, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Only on history. I got such a kick out of that. Um, I believe Adam Schefter retweeted that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could not tell the difference, that was not Morgan Freeman. That was Frank Caliendo doing his best Morgan Freeman impersonation. Just guys that can do that, that can do the voices, blow my mind. I don't know how anybody does that. It's years and years and years of practice. It's like ventriloquism. If I could do that, it it's just insanity. I think that those are some of the most talented people in the world. You, you think athletes are talented? Guys, voiceover people like this? Frank Caliendo is second to none. I mean, you have to be so super dedicated to your craft 
and so super precise and study and study and practice and practice and practice. And he he's just, he, he's unbelievable. But that, I got a kick out of that. So yeah, let's do a quick little uh, NFL preview. I didn't do too bad with my picks um, for wildcard weekend. Um, uh, you know, the Bills game, that was a tight one. I, I knew, I didn't bet that because I, I was leery about the Bills because the Bills being the Bills, they could have easily lost that playoff game and been same old Bills, but they get it done. The one that pissed me off that I was really off on was the Seahawks. They they got smoked um, at home by the Rams, losing that game 30-20. to 20. Wasn't even really that close. Shame on the Seahawks for losing that game because guess what? They were, uh, the, the, the Rams were banged up. They were without Jared Goff to start the game. And then Walford got hurt. Jamal Adams took him out. And then next thing you know, Jared Goff comes in at, with a broken thumb and now plays Russell Wilson. So shame on the Seattle Seahawks for losing that game. You had my Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Washington uh, Redskins or Washington football team, but they did not cover the spread. Uh, uh, they d- No, they, I don't think they covered the spread. The spread, I think, by game time got up to about double digits or eight and a half, nine. Um they won that 31-23. Got a little bit of a scare. Taylor Heineke played his tail off. Uh, just wow. Um, because, of course, no Alex Smith there. Still dealing with the calf injury. The Ravens on day two. That was the game that um, I was picking the Ravens. A lot of people went with the Titans. But guess what? The Ravens won this one. Held the Titans in check to only 13 points. Staved off Derrick Henry, who had an abysmal game. Just... uh. 18 carries for 40 yards. Just wow. Not good at all. And then you had the Saints beating up the Bears 21 to 9. That game was the first game ever broadcast on Nickelodeon. And I found myself watching it on Nickelodeon. I only found out it was on Nickelodeon because somebody tweeted about it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This game's on Nickelodeon. I had to literally go on my uh, cable provider, find out what the channel was for Nickelodeon, turned it on, and then bing, bang, boom. Uh, I was watching the game on Nickelodeon. It was hysterical. They had Ian Eagle's son announcing the game with uh, Nate Burleson and a, a 15-year-old girl, Nickelodeon star, I, I believe. And then they had like this kid, Lex Lerman, who was a sideline reporter, kids like 12 years old. And they had the the uh, the slime cannons when somebody scored a touchdown, which were these virtual like slime cannons. And then they had slime after the game and a Nickelodeon MVP award uh, just hysterical it was really super fun and i think they need to do more things like this and then of course you had young sheldon who was narrating any time that there was there needed to be an explanation uh for a rule so young sheldon would pop up in the bottom of the screen and he would explain what pass interference is or what this penalty means or what that means so i i just thought they did a really really good job and then of course you had in the nightcap on sunday the steelers hosting the browns and this one went wrong from the absolute jump. First play from scrimmage. The center snaps the ball over Big Ben's head. I guess it was Pouncey. Uh, snaps it right over Big Ben's head. Him and Jonathan, uh, and uh, not Jonathan Taylor, him and um, Connor, James Connor, run back to the goal line. They both look at each other. They don't jump on the ball. And then guess what? It becomes a touchdown for the Browns. And they score an unprecedented record setting 28 points in that first quarter. They took a 28 nothing lead. 
before um, it was 35-10. to 10. Then in the third quarter, the Steelers come out. They start to make it a little bit interesting. And in the end, though, the Browns hold on for the 48-37 win. So Cleveland, fa- Cleveland fans, rejoice because you get a date in the divisional round with the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So good luck there. I wish you nothing but the best. So there's that. And then what I, I've never been more nervous for a playoff game other than when, you know, my Jets were playing in the playoffs in 09 and 010. Um, the Saints and Bucks game is the nightcap or the evening game at 640 on Sunday. I have a tea time earlier in the morning. I will be home with plenty of time to watch that game, anxiety and all. It, it, it It's going to be scary because I have the Bucks winning the Super Bowl. The Bucs are playing really great football right now. The Saints didn't look great against the Bears, but the Saints are 2-0 against the against the Buccaneers. And that's the part about this that scares me, is that the Bucs are 0-2 this season um, against the Saints. So they seem to be their Achilles heel. I don't know. Third time, maybe's the charm. It has come out that Leonard Fournette will start again at running back as Ronald Jones, Rojo, will be a game-time decision. So that, again, that scares me in and of itself right there. But um, another you know, day, couple days for, for Mike Evans to rest. He was in and out of the lineup in their game against Washington, of course, coming off that knee injury in Week 17. So, yeah, I look for these games to be really, really good. And then tomorrow you've got the first game of the day is the Rams and the Packers, and then you've got the Bills and the Ravens. So, you know, we've got... We've got four games going on, right, on each day. Uh, Yeah, four games total, two on each day, and I'll give you my picks right now. I don't know spreads or anything. I'm just going to give you who I think is going to win. You've got Packers and Rams. There's no way the Packers lose this. I'm sorry. If the Packers lose this game, uh, then they've got some serious issues, but I don't see that happening. I I really don't. And then um, you've got the Bills and the Ravens. This is an interesting game. As much as I like the Bills, and I want to root for the Bills, I can't. Um, I think the Ravens are as hot a team as there ever is, or as there is in the NFL. Um, I think the Bucks are really hot right now, but the Ravens are probably hotter. And this could be Lamar Jackson's year, so I'm not about to bet against him um, in the playoffs right now at all. So, uh, And then you have the Chiefs hosting the Browns. Chiefs are 10 points. They're favored by 10. That is a lot of points. I wouldn't touch that, but I would also not doubt the Kansas City Chiefs. And the way these teams are scoring points, I would easily take the over. And then, of course, Saints-Bucks, like I said. I'm going for the Saints, I mean the uh, Bucks, but I also have both these teams to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, at least if one of them wins, I'm okay. Again, I'd rather it be the Bucks. I've got hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of dollars more um, if I if the Bucks can somehow pull it off in Brady's first year in Tampa Bay. Okay, so that's that basically does it for football, and that basically does it here. Like, I'm not going to sit here for too much, you know, for too much longer and just and just go on and on about some of the stuff. Hold on, breaking news. Two-time AL Cy Young winner Corey Kluber and the Yankees have agreed to a deal pending a physical. Holy cow. Oh my God, that is big news. I, I I can't contain my excitement. This is like, oh my God. 
This is as great as it gets to be a Yankees, Nets, and Jets fan right now. I am living on cloud nine. This is unbelievable. I, I don't know what more to say. Um, Corey Kluber still has a lot to give. And coming to the Yankees now, pairing him with Garrett Cole and, and all these boys that they've got there. Oh, my God. You're going to get Luis Severino back at some point this season. This is the potential to win a World Series this year. Imagine the Brooklyn Nets winning me a championship, the New York Yankees winning me a championship. Oh, my God. I've been dying for one of my teams to win a championship for over a decade. I need somebody to get it done. This could be the year. 2021 could be the year. Forget 2020. It's over with. It sucked. We know that. Let's go, baby. 2021. Um, let's see. What else is all right. That 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 just threw me for a loop. I can't believe that. Um, all right, let's see. What else is on this weekend? Like I said, you've got the golf, you've got the uh divisional rounds. You've got um, college basketball, of course, you know, tonight throughout the weekend. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm going to play golf. Of course, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. So shout out to the great one himself. Uh, yeah, I'm I do. I can't even explain to you guys how excited I am for for the future of, of my sports teams and, and uh, sports in general. Uh, we're, we're getting back towards we're we're getting there. We'll, we'll get back to uh you know, normal, you know, or the new normal, as they like to call it. But we'll, we'll get back there eventually. Uh, oh, Yankees are agreeing to terms with Clint Frazier, Chad Green, Aaron Judge, Jordan Montgomery, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, Gio Urshela, and Luke Voigt on one-year non-guaranteed contracts, thus avoiding arbitration with all of them. So, again, great news, okay? Um, I don't want to harp on too much. Oh, I just remembered. If you guys have HBO Max, jump on and watch the Tiger Woods documentary. The first part of it aired last weekend on Sunday. The second part, the final part, airs on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday, I believe probably like 9 p.m. But if you have HBO Max, I think anytime Sunday, you could just go on and watch it. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It is juicy. There, It's no holds barred. The, the first part ended on a bit of a cliffhanger where they're going to be interviewing one of Tiger's mistresses. Okay, uh, can't wait. All the juiciness, it's going to come out in this second part, and I'm loving every minute of it, and I can't wait. Um, like I said, we've got NBA tonight throughout the weekend. We've got, you know, all sports sports galore. Let's see what's going on. Uh, my fantasy basketball team is killing it. I'm in first place. Let's see. Al Horford, why are you not playing again today? Great. Now, Al Horford is out for personal reasons. This is two games in a row. A uh, couple games that have been postponed. Um, let's see. Okay, wow. The Corey Kluber deal is going to be $10 million plus, according to John Heyman. Well, okay. Um, I want, I'm curious to see how many years that is for, but uh, that remains to be seen. Oh, and then real quick, there was some new breaking news on Von Miller. He is under a criminal investigation in Colorado. Um, a police department outside of Denver confirmed the investigation but declined details. Adam Schefter said um, he will be represented by noted Colorado attorney Harvey Steinberg. No charges have been filed and no information has been released as to what the investigation is about. I'm going to have to ask Nick about that because he's a big Broncos fan and he in all likelihood will um, 
know more about that than I do at the moment. Um, but this is never good when NFL players are part of a criminal investigation. Is that what they said? Uh, yeah, criminal investigation. Wowzer, wowzer, wowzer. Um, but hey, the only thing that can make this week better for me or this weekend any better is if Rutgers goes out, ends their three-game losing streak tonight against number nine, Wisconsin, gets that W at home. I'm looking forward to it. That tip-off is in just over an hour. Um, I'm going to wrap this thing up, guys, with one final thing, and that is on this date in sports. Not really a great one, but I must say, um, my demographic on this show is I've got uh, the you know early 20s range all the way up to like the 45 to 55 or, or higher. I forget how, what the demographic is there, but those are the two big ones. I must say this. Uh, what, 21 years ago today, in 1999, I want to I say, Varsity Blues came out. If you don't know what Varsity Blues is, or if you never saw Varsity Blues, you are doing yourself a serious disservice. That is one of the greatest sports or football movies. It's hysterical. It's got all of it. It's a little raunchy. Um, there's some like sex scenes in it, but they don't really, you know, they don't show anything. But I'm not saying if you're, you know, 12 or 13 years old to go and watch this movie. It's more for high schoolers and above. Um, but oh my God, what a funny movie. Um, you know what? I might actually go watch it now. I might go find or tonight. I might find it online and, and try to watch it because man, that is a classic high school movie. And I don't know that I've ever seen it all the way fully through. It's like the replacements. It's one of those movies, but oh, this is hysterical. Um, and it really hits home. It's, it's one of those classic, you know, high school sports movies. So yeah, that came out. Uh, in 1999 on this date, January 15th. So yeah, looking forward to, the, to, to, to that. Um, and that, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, it was kind of wacky and all over the place. And, and uh, the last two have kind of been all over the place, but I've been really busy. I am um, narrating an audiobook, So I've been working on that day and night trying to get that done and get that cleaned up and, and, and where I, where it needs to be. And once that finally comes out, I'll give you guys all the details on that. So maybe, you know, you can uh, throw me a bone or two. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, guys, all jokes aside, I hope you have a great weekend. Again, I'll continue to say this, stay healthy. You know, if you don't absolutely have to go out, then don't. Um, but again, you know, the vaccine coming out, if you want to get that, get that if it makes you feel better we're getting there guys we're we're almost back to a normal civilization i know they say we're going to still be masked up and whatnot for probably another year or maybe two or whatever but it, it you know we're at least getting back to some sort of normalization and um that's a good sign and you know sports sports helps us cope you know if you're you're dealing with something you, you know sports is always there to help us cope with that so, you know, with that being said, guys, um, enjoy this episode, episode 100 and I think, yeah, this is 127, I believe. Um, I'm the Pody and I am signing out. Talk to you guys next week.